man. Good job. I know uh, that one's full of smiles uh, because it seems like that's that's a song of old and it's got a good tune and Miss Sue pulled it out and played it great. Um, but the song is great because it's true. This is the B-I-B-L-E. That is the book for us. We stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And hopefully that's true because in our lives, it's easy for us to say, hey, the Bible is it. It's all I stand on. And then actually we're in the get out into life. Is it really what we're standing on? Have we really put all of our trust? Have we put our dependence upon other things? Or is this it? Is this the book? Is this the word of God coming to us and teaching us? And so this morning, uh, we're going to take a look at that, at the Bible and just all that it means. We're going to go actually this morning to the book of Colossians. We're starting something new. We finished up with the book, uh, the, the man, the king, Hezekiah and his life story. And now we're going to go into the book of Colossians. Let's pray and ask the Lord to put our feet on the word of God. That it would be it alone that we stand on. So, Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you that whether we're reading from the Old Testament or the New Testament, whether we're reading the uh, the words of David or the words of Paul or reading the words of Jesus out of the Gospels, Lord, that this is your word. And it has been a good gift from you so that we would not be unaware of who you are and what you've done and what you expect and how much you love us, but that we'd be completely aware that you have revealed yourself. We pray that we wouldn't shut you out. We pray that our hearts wouldn't be stubborn and that they wouldn't be callous and that our ears, that you would dig them out so that we can hear in our, our heart that it would be softened, that we may receive what you have, that we may be changed more and more to look like Jesus, saved by you and reserved for you until the day of your return. And so, Lord, I pray that you would guide my mind and my heart and my lips to preach only what you have for me to preach this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Colossians. We're in chapter one, of course. In the Bible, it starts out with the Old Testament. We know God created, he created mankind, and then there was sin. We know that as a result of sin, that death came into the world, and that was the big problem. That no person, man or woman, that's ever lived, could ever live forever because sin was in our hearts from the get-go, and so we needed help. So it's the story of God and how he planned and he was orchestrating this help to come. And that help came in Jesus Christ. It says that the word of God, Jesus, took on flesh. He became a human being like you and I. And he was on earth for 33 years. We know how that story goes. The Bible tells us that Jesus went and died on a cross for you and me. That because he did not want you to die for eternity under the wrath of God, he himself was put under the wrath of God. Jesus took your wrath. He died on the cross for you. It says that after he died, that he was buried in a tomb. He was there for three days and he was there for three nights. And on the third day, on that Sunday, he rose from the dead, the firstborn from the dead. And it says that for 40 days, he was there instructing his disciples about the kingdom of God and proving to them that he was alive. And then on that 40th day, on the day of Pentecost, he rose from the dead. And the scripture says that after he uh, had, uh, excuse me, he had risen from the dead, but then uh, he, he ascended into heaven. And then 40 days later, excuse me, 40 days later was the day of Pentecost when he went and he filled his church with the Holy Spirit. And in that he was not only saving them, but now he was sending them into the world. And so from that point, you have disciples, you have followers of Jesus, whom he has now sent into the world, and they go. He had told them that they were to go from Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria until 
all the nations of the world sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the gospel would go out and it would do what no other word could do. This good news would go and and it would make people mad. And in fact, it does make us mad because it offends our flesh. It offends our selfishness and our sin. The gospel, when it's really doing our work, if we're to be honest, it makes us mad. But man, it is a good and powerful word, and it miraculously comes and somehow changes the heart of human beings so that we would be saved. And as these disciples would go out, they were saved. They'd go out and give this message that would save other people. And sometimes they'd be persecuted for it because people were offended. But there were cities that they would go into and they'd begin preaching the gospel and there would become believers in that city. And so in these cities, as they would go preaching the gospel and there would become believers, that's when the church would start. And so at some point along the way, as Paul and his friends were going out preaching the gospel, this good news. Somebody took the message to a town called Colossae. And there in Colossae, people believed and the gospel the word of god did something and changed them from being sinners into being saints and as soon as people believed in that town there was a church that's when you have a church it's not because they incorporated with the state or they put a sign out front of their building or anything they were a church because god had saved them and now they were a collection of people who were called out of the world and into fellowship with jesus christ so there was a church in Colossae. so this is the church that had started Paul, we don't know that he ever visited there. It was probably one of his other disciples, one of his companions that had gone there and started the church that had preached the gospel. People got saved and they started that church. So Paul is now writing this letter to Colossae. Uh, Letters are important. One of the most important documents in all the history of the world was actually sent on October 17th, 2002. On that day, this message was sent and it was delivered and it was read the subject line read no subject it was an email you know how that goes the emails it had no subject but the content of the of the of the message went something like this jason i'm glad we got to talk on the phone the other day i would love to meet you for coffee it said and now i need to end this Because it's 9.07 and I'm like an old woman and I need to go to bed. But I'd love to get together with you for a first date. Signed, Katie. It's one of the most important messages that's ever been sent in all the world. It was this letter that flew across the information superhighway and had left Federal Way, Washington and ended up in Seattle, Washington. I read that changed my life. Amen, it did. We know that communication is important and you at some point have gotten a letter in the mail or an email or somebody has sent you something and you've received that and it may have completely changed your life. You see, you know, I look at October 17th, 2002 and recognize that that email changed the direction of my life to where now I've got not only a, a, a beautiful wife who's sitting here, but three kids that call me father and call her mother. That email even though I had no subject line, was critical to my life. And yet when we're to look at it, all those things kind of pale in comparison to the great letters that we have of the word of God. Not to diminish the importance of the ones in our life, but this is the most important. We're going to talk about that this morning because Paul is writing this letter to the Colossians. 
these people in Colossae. So let's get into it. We'll talk a little bit more. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. So just like that email that was sent to me, and I knew it was from Katie because she signed off on it, and it, it had her email address. I knew it was coming from her. When people back then would start a letter, they wouldn't put their name at the end. They would put their name at the beginning. So this letter is from Paul who's an apostle by the will of God. An apostle, there were 12 apostles. They were the people that Jesus marked as, hey, you were the ones I'm sending, because that's what apostle means, the one who's sent. I'm sending you to share this gospel. You're going to build this church. And he added one more apostle, Paul, the 13th apostle. Paul says, I'm an apostle. I'm one who's sent. I'm being sent to give you this message. But it's not because I desired it. Paul's saying, I'm not an apostle because I signed up one day and said, hear me. I want to do that. He says, I'm an apostle and I'm a servant of Jesus Christ because it's by the will of God. God has done this in me and he's now given me this charge to send a message of the gospel to you. If you remember Paul's life, he was very, very religious. He lived by the law and did it as perfect as anybody could ever do the law. But one day, as he thought he was doing what was godly, he was on his way to Damascus to persecute some Christians. And Jesus got in his path and knocked him on his rear end and said, why are you persecuting me? That wasn't Paul's idea. Paul didn't go on that road saying, hey, today I'm going to go meet Jesus and he's going to save me. He was going to persecute Jesus and the church. And on his way, God said, it's not my will for you to do that. It's my will that you would be saved. And he tells Paul, I'm going to use you as an instrument to take the gospel to the world, to the Gentiles even. So Paul says to the Colossians, hey, this is Paul. I'm writing to you, but, and I'm an apostle, but it's not because I decided I was going to be Jesus. God, the father has told me it's by his will that I'm doing this. So I'm sending this letter. This is God behind this. You'll notice uh, I don't know if you got that slide that we've got for Colossians. I showed this to Katie and she said, isn't that kind of weird the way you have it, though, because it says in care of Paul. Should, shouldn't, shouldn't Paul's name be up in the return? But see, that's what Paul is saying. He's like, this isn't actually my word. I'm just it's in care of me. I'm bringing it to you. But the word is actually from Jesus Christ. This is him talking to you. I am his disciple. I'm his apostle. This is not because I decided to write. Get out my stationery and write you a letter today. Jesus is sending me this because it's his word. I've got to tell you what Jesus has to say about himself. So Paul says this isn't because I want I'm an apostle. I'm doing this because of Jesus and Timothy's with me. Now, Timothy, he became a, a follower of Jesus. And then he became a a disciple of Paul's. He actually uh, would go around with Paul to these different churches. And he became a pastor in some cities like Ephesus. And and he accompanied and was helpful to Paul in many ways. His grandma and his mom were believers, but his dad was not. And so he has that out of his history. And Paul became almost a spiritual father to him. And so Paul says, it's me and and my spiritual boy here, uh, a brother of yours, We're sending you this message. This is from Jesus, and and we're writing to you. And then he goes on and says, now they would write the the two, who it's to. Verse 2 says, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae. Uh, So now he's saying it's from us, but here's who it's to. It's to you. It's the church there at Colossae. And he calls them some interesting words. He says, to the saints. 
And I want to clear up that word right now because just the other day we saw, uh, well, many people, maybe, I don't know if you all did, but some of you put on green and you went off to work or to school and you're protecting yourself from getting pinched, right? Uh, you wore that color because it was called St. Patrick's Day, right? St. Patrick's Day. And um, there's different people that ha- kind of have that title, St. Patrick, um, St. Stephen, St. And, and we put the name St. in front of them. And St. Patrick had been a, a, a follower of Christ who had gone off to um, Ireland and he had brought the gospel to there. And so um, he is celebrated. But we take people and we put St. in front of them and we think, well, only the people who have holidays can be called St. And, and the Catholics think, think that only if, 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 if they've done something miraculous and done all these things, and, and then they could be stamped as being a saint. But the scripture says this, the word saint means holy. The word saint is applied to anybody who's in Christ, whom he's taken away from their sin, and he's forgiven them, and he's made them holy. If you are a Christian, you're a saint. If you've been saved, you're a saint. You don't got to have a holiday. I'm pretty sure St. Patrick right now, if he could talk, would say that holiday should be about Jesus. So stop drinking all your green beer and wearing all your green beads and go worship Jesus. This has to be about him because he saved me. The only reason I'm a saint is because of Jesus. And if you've been saved by Christ, you too are a saint. We could go around to one another and start calling each other saint, St. Ronald. You know, and I know he doesn't want his own holiday, but you can call him that. All right. St. Betty, St. Naomi, St. Doc. You want that, Doc? No, he says no. OK, so don't call him saint. Just call him Doc. OK, you could be called a saint because you've been saved by Jesus. And he's saying, hey, you and Colossae who've been saved by Jesus, I'm sending you a letter. But he also says something else. He says to the faithful brothers and sisters, that word that's used there, you probably just see brothers, but it can mean brothers and sisters. He's writing to the whole church. So I'm using brothers and sisters. He says that they're not only been saved by, but this church has been faithful. These are brothers and sisters that have been saved. And then they've said, Jesus, how can we serve you? What do you want us to do? Now, one thing about people in Colossae, let me tell you about Colossae. Everybody take out your little, your little hand map right here. Put your hand up like this. If you've ever been to Bible diggers or on Wednesday night, you know that this is your hand map that God equipped you with to know where he lived. This is Israel. Okay. Jesus uh, would, would died right about there in Jerusalem. He was born over here in Bethlehem and up here on your hand, that's Nazareth and the Sea of Galilee. This is Israel right in your hand. Well, if this was your hand map of Israel, if you took your other hand, go ahead and put it up like this off to, off to the west. You have this part that comes up over here. That's what modern day Turkey is today. And Colossae was kind of right in the middle of your hand right there. So you can point to your Colossae. Okay, you got your Colossae. And then if you take your other hand and you put it up over here, okay, go ahead and do that. And then you take the hand and then put it over here. You got it all that? Now you've just been trained as a mime, okay? <laughs> you can do it all over. But I just wanted to give you, Israel was here, and then over here you had the peninsula, and Turkey's right in the middle. It's right in the middle. Over on the edge you have other cities that you've heard of, like Ep- Ephesus, okay, some of those places. Ephesus was a big city. It was a port city on the water. People would come and go from Ephesus and and Ephesus grew big. And because it was a port and had lots of people coming and going, it had sway. I mean, the latest trends and who people thought and what they thunk and all that kind of stuff that went through places like Ephesus. Colossae, no. Okay, it was a little town with little sway. You know, any towns like that? 
Yeah, we're from that town, okay? Um, this is like Four Oaks. Um, and there was a sister city not too far away called Laodicea. They weren't too far apart, so it's almost like a Four Oaks Benson type of situation. And uh, they were right in the middle where they, they, they didn't have a, maybe a whole lot of influence nationwide or worldwide. But you know what? The things that they loved and the things that they stood for, particularly in religion, they were fervent about it. Okay? You, you all are fervent about some things around here. Chicken pastry. I've seen some of you are already drooling, okay, because the lunch that's coming up afterwards. You are fervent about your food. You love your chicken pastry. You love your pig pickings. You're fervent about that stuff. Okay, you're fervent about working. You're fervent about, about family. Like you have these things that are in you, and because you believe in them, you just get after it, right? Colossae was the same way. It wasn't a big town where everybody was like looking for Colossae to show them what to do, but the people in Colossae and in that region, religiously, and they were fervent. You gave them a religion they went after, not just Christianity, but a religion. And so, so many of these religions had, were kind of in that place. In fact, there was one that was after this goddess Sybil, and, and they were just like, we are all out for that. Like, just show us and tell us what to do. Well, in Colossae was all this religion where people were fervent and excited and zealous. But because maybe they would follow a wrong religion, they could get going fervently in the wrong way. And in Colossae, there was people who heard the gospel. They said, Jesus did that for me. And they believed it and they became Christians. And they were fervent for Jesus. This church loved Jesus. But apart from Jesus, all other religions say, Jesus didn't do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. You have to do it this way. You can't touch this. You got to do that. And so they set up a bunch of rules by which if you follow those rules, you'll be saved. And some of that had started to creep into the church at Colossae. They were fervent about Jesus. But now the fervency of these other rules and regulations had come in where people were saying, if you do this, you'll still be saved. If you don't do this, then you'll still be saved. You better make sure you follow the rules. And Paul's writing them to say, hey. You're not rule followers. You're Jesus lovers. You're Christians. You're saints who are faithful brothers and sisters who aren't just following rules. You're in relationship with God. Go for it. See who he is. Know who he is. Love who he is. Let him still be your gracious, merciful God. So he's writing them to say, keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't get caught up in all these other things. Just Jesus. Go to Jesus. Be with Jesus. So that's Colossae. So Paul, an apostle by the will of God and our brother Timothy to the saints and the faithful brothers and sisters at Colossae. And then he finishes up this little intro. We're just doing the intro today. So don't don't worry. I'm not doing all chapter one. But he says grace to you and peace from God, our father. This is a very uh, almost generic greeting. You know, when you say hi to somebody, you say maybe what's up? Well, that's what I say. You probably say howdy. And, uh, you know, you kind of got that general greeting. And normally they would have a general greeting. They would say greetings and peace to you. That was a general greeting. But Paul's actually changed a little bit. The word that's greetings is almost the same as the word for grace. And he doesn't want to just give them greetings. He doesn't just want to wave at them. He's saying, I want to. I want to greet you in the grace of God. I have no other way to greet you. If I gave you a greeting that's just human and out of my own flesh, it would be fleeting. 
And everything I want, I, I even want to greet you in Jesus. Grace to you. Grace to you. And peace. From God our Father. So this is his letter. He is starting at saying it's, it's Jesus' word. I'm just his instrument. I'm an apostle by his will. I'm sending this to you. It's to you who know Jesus. And this is all about him and his grace. I want his peace to come to you. And I'm setting it up that way for us to know this. This is not Paul writing a letter of Paul's words. This is Paul writing the word of God. And we read it today as the word of God. This is the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, it's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the words that Paul is writing, the B-I-B-L-E. We are going to get into this word because it's everything to us. The scripture says that these aren't Paul's words. In 2 Timothy, when Paul was writing to this Timothy, he says to him, all scripture is God breathed. That means God is giving it is from his heart. It is from his purposes. It is about him. And he goes on, says it's useful. For rebuking and correcting, and encouraging and training up in righteousness so that the man of God, men and women like you and me can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You want to get something done for Jesus? Let the word of God train you. You want to be corrected and know what he wants in your life? Let the word of God tell you why. It's like he's breathed it out. All scripture is God breathed. These weren't things that Paul and Peter and Moses and other people just dreamed up. In fact, in second Peter, it says this concerning the word of God and what happened. It says that. Know this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced from the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Even Paul, as he's sitting down to write this letter, isn't scratching his head saying, well, I wonder what the Colossians need to hear today. That scripture said that it wasn't Paul by his own imagination, his own interpretation, his own will. that said, I'm going to write this to the Colossians. The Holy Spirit came and took over Paul and had him write down those things because the Holy Spirit knew exactly what not only the Colossians needed to hear. He knows what you at Unity Church need to hear. He knows what Jason Hudson needs to hear. This is the word of God who had it come out of him. To come to his people to do incredibly miraculous works in your heart. Scripture is a big thing. Think about the word of God for a moment. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 11. That by the word of God, the entire universe was created so that nothing that is visible has been made except that it was spoken into being by God. That's crazy. Awesome. The God's word is so powerful. He just said, let there be light. Boom. There was light. Let there be you. Boom. There was you. God was speaking that his his word is so powerful. And not only that, but in the scripture, it says that by his word, he upholds all things that if God wasn't speaking and keeping your body together, that bam, in the next moment, you would be obliterated. He is literally holding you together by speaking your existence. That's his word doing that. 
And then the Word of God comes to us through the Colossians and, and from the Psalms and from Moses writing in the law and from us reading in the Gospels about Jesus. And those words are powerful. What a standard. And that Word should be everything to us. It can help you in ways that you can't even imagine. In our Sunday school this morning, we found that we only had guys out there in the young adults class, so we kind of steered from our normal act study, and we went into just talking guys. It's just the guys talking. We were talking about the difficulty of a man to control his mind and his passions, his lust and selfishness and greed. We can't. A man cannot do that. The Scripture says We are beasts. That when left to ourselves, we are so greedy for the things of the flesh, we'll just just tear through anything or deceive anyone in order to get to what our flesh wants. But do you know there's a promise? The same word that created the universe and the same word that still upholds it and the same word that took you and miraculously changed your heart from being a sinner into a saint says in Psalm chapter 119, it says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. And he goes on later and says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Men, how do you keep from sinning? It's not from coming up with a bunch of rules and regulations for your life. You cannot control yourself just by living by do this and don't do that. Now, those are good in the sense that you shouldn't do this and you should do that. Those you should be faithful to your wife. That's a good thing. God told you to do that. You shouldn't think about certain things in your mind. God told you not to do that. But just by having the rules, you won't get it done. Men, the way to do it. It's to love God's word and have it change your heart. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to God's word. And David goes on and says. That he's hiding in his heart. So he won't sin against God. Until you have that heart and that passion change to love Jesus that only comes from the word of God. You will never, ever be able to do the things that God wants you to do, whether it being what is moral or doing what he wants you to do in ministry or how he wants you to treat your wife or discipline your kids or 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 help out at the church. You will never be able to do what God wants you to do in your life unless the word of God has contained you. You won't. You will not be able to. Because the word of God is like that precious word from one who loves you and says, I love you too much to wander away into hell. I love you too much to let you think you can save yourself. I love you too much to let you go off into the world and think you can just, uh, as the scripture says, keep burning coals onto your lap without getting burnt. You cannot do it. And God is there to help you. You say, well, how? It's right in your hands. Invest in this. Some of you have told me, well, I can't understand that. Scripture is way too hard. I, you know, I only have a high school education. Guess what? You have more education. Than the apostle Peter had. He was uneducated. Like anything else, if you want to be into it, you got to put the time in. You want to have a good relationship with somebody? You got to put the time in, right? You want to learn how to be a good cook and make good chicken pastry? You got to put the time in. 
If you want to be changed by God and you want to love him, you got to put the time in his word. And not just by saying, well, I guess I'll just read it today. Check that off my list. A lot of people call that devotions, right? Do your devotions. Do it today. Make sure you read it 30 minutes a day. It doesn't work like that. I had a professor at school one time. He sat us down. We all grew up in the church. But he sat us kids down at, at, at the cafeteria one day and he said, I got to tell you a secret. Everybody come in close. We all leaned in close. And he said, I got I've got the secret. Don't tell him. He says, I don't do devotions. And we were all stunned. We were like, he's going to get himself fired if he's saying things like that. You can't be a professor at this Bible Christian school, writing books and teaching classes and not do devotions. And we were all stunned. And he said this. He says, it's not about doing devotions. It's about being devoted. I don't set aside just a little bit of time to read God's word. I just let God's word have me all the time. I can't get enough of it. I go to it all the time. I don't want to just be limited to the morning. I want to think about it when I'm on the bus and I want to think about it when I'm talking with my wife and I want to think about it uh, all the time. Because Christ is devoted to me and I'm devoted to him. And that blew my mind. That it wasn't out of duty that he was reading his Bible. It was out of love. This book will change you. It will save you. Because the same word that created the universe is the word that has come to change you into a new creature. And to keep you away from the ways of the world. And to think that you can do it on your own. And to, to hold you. Especially when life's tough. I remember a Bible class from high school long ago and my, my teacher told me a story. I don't have names for this, this, these people, but the story is just always held true as to the power of God and what can do in somebody's life. He said there was a, a man who just, just couldn't bear up under their life and its stress and all that was going on and he had decided to end his life. And so he went and he, he got himself a hotel room he could just go and he could jump out that window, just end it. He went to the window and he was staring out and, you know, he's just thinking everything, the weight of the world, of his world pressing in on him. And he said, I'm just going to take care of it. I'm just going to just going to toss myself out. and I'll just take care of it. Before he did it, whatever it was, kept him from going and he's walking around this this hotel room and he wanders over to the bedside stand and he. He opens up the nightstand. You know what he found, right? A Bible had been put there. So he takes out this Bible and he's, he's thumbing through it. And he opens up and he, he opens up to the f- inside of the front cover. And somebody had written something. And he begins to read it. And it was such and such a date. And it says, if you're reading this Bible, I need to tell you what the Bible did for me. The, le- the note went on to say that On that date, this person was in that room on the verge of throwing themselves out the window. They were going to end their life until they came back in the room, picked up the Bible and began to read it. And God got a hold of them. God had told that man. Yeah, that he was a sinner, but that he died for him. And he read that gospel and it, it it changed him. He became a believer in that room that night. And so the guy who was writing the note said, please, before before you make any decisions or whatever you're doing in your life, stop and let this book 
save you. Let it tell you about Jesus and that it saved you. And as that man read the note, he got down to the very end and it was signed by his father. God has worked every miracle in this world, not just to make it sparkly and fancy so that we would all be in awe. He does it so we would pay attention to him. He wants to save you, he wants to help you, he wants to be with you. We've got all kinds of resources here to help you. I want to, if you don't have Bibles, we buy Bibles, grab one of these, read it. You wear it out, we'll get you another one. Kids, if you don't have one of these, we buy Bibles for kids. This has Bible scripture in it. It's, it's, the, it's the same scriptures that we read. It's from the NIV. It's got great, great pictures, parents. Read these with your kids before before bed. Don't don't get the little storybook ones. That's not actually scripture. They tell fun little stories. Get the Bible ones. Get the one. This has actual Bible text in it. We use these for our Bible diggers. It's great to start investing in our kids. If you need my help in any way, I would gladly sit and read the Bible with anybody at any time. You know that. But the B-I-B-L-E. Can you say it's the book for me? Can you say that you stand alone on the word of God? He wants us to. He definitely wants us to. If you're devoted to God, you'll go to this book. You'll go to this book. Some of you today are like, I don't know. When you stand before Jesus and he says, didn't you want to listen to me? I don't know. It's not going to cut it. He wants to get close to you now. He wants to get close to you now. Maybe today is the first message. To get you onto that date. To get you into relationship. To tell you how much love is. We're going to go through Colossians. The word of God come to them. But you got to know that this is the word of God coming to you too. He wants to do a work in you through his word. Father, we thank you. We thank you because when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That was your will that accomplished that. It was by your power. And we're thankful that the good news of not only his death, but also his resurrection spread out like seed. And the people like Paul were saved and Timothy and Aquila and Priscilla and others, they were all saved. And then they went and took that message and they 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 let the word of God change them. And then they would use that word of God to go change others. And we're thankful that that word has come to to Four Oaks and to Benson, just like it did to Colossae. And we're thankful that 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 seed is changing us, Lord. We pray that you would cause us to desire you and to desire your word. Because that word became flesh. This is not just a book of laws. This is not just a book of stories. This is this is the word of God. And we pray that it would teach us about Jesus. The word become flesh. Because we know that it's able to make one wise for salvation. And also, Lord, to keep us in relationship. To guard our hearts from evil and from sin. And to cause us to love you more. And so, Lord, I pray that you would cause us to trust you and love you more. We pray that as we go into this book, that we would never just make the excuse that it's 
It's too hard to understand. We, we know, Lord, that you have the power to cause us to understand. And so as much as we're capable, Lord, we, we pray that you would give us understanding. And Lord, today, if, if there are men and women and children, Lord, who are, are in need, and for certain that's all of us, Lord, I pray that you would come to us not with, not with another song and not with another Facebook post, I pray you'd come to us with your word, Lord. I pray that your word would come and that we would stand on it. Thanks, Lord. Amen.